Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. Now, before we started recording today, we were wondering what, what we might chat about. And the, the topic of a little update on, on Stuart's property business came up. And, and Stuart, you, you were trying to think about how many rent-to-rent deals you've... And, and it turned out that you weren't actually sure if you'd misplaced a house in your list or not. So, I can't believe you brought this to the public's attention. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> well, I, I'm just, just wondering if this is sort of like a, a Harry Potter house that sort of squeezes between two others, and, and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Or, or how, how have you misplaced a house? <laughs> well, it just happens that my memory... These days, it's just not very good. That's the, that's all I can say. I haven't forgotten about the houses. They're just in various different stages of development. That is the best excuse I've got, and that's what I'm sticking to. Well, seeing as we're talking about rent-to-rent, let's start there with your, your updates. So apart from the, the one that might be there or might not be there and may have been misplaced or lost or not, how is your rent-to-rent business going? I think it's grown quite a lot since we last had a little update. Yeah, we, we're up to about five property well i say about we we have got five properties this one see what you've done to me or, or maybe four or done. six but, but... <laughs> no we have five but one of them isn't yet online and by online i mean we haven't finished doing the works we needed to do to it four of them are all ready to go and three of them are currently generating income which is great one of them is a very big house we're using it as a seven bed but it it could be an eight bed and that actually costed more than than i'd budgeted for and being completely candid is probably invested more into it than than i well i did invest more into it than i intended to however once we get people into it that should be good for revenue the challenge we've got at the moment is getting people into it we have refurbished the whole property we've got all furniture in it it's some nice urban furniture but there's just a few nagging little things you know, as property investors, we're all aware of, you know, there's a hole in one room, there's a bit of damp in another room. And they're the kind of things that, that quite naturally and, and should put put people off. So there's just a few things we have to put right. Uh, the reason it's frustrating for me is it's now property that I've had for a couple of months and is, is empty. And whether you own a property or lease a property, that's never a good thing. So that one we've got to sort. There's another one which we've just finished all the works on. And now the roof started leaking. That's a property owner issue, not not my company's issue. However, of course, again, we want to make sure that's all done before we even start showing people around the property, that kind of thing. So in summary, the rent-to-rent business is going well. We're not as occupied as I'd want to be with the properties we've got. I mean, the ones that are all done that we're a touch wood 100% occupied, just the we've got one left to finish off and one where we've just got to iron out some really frustrating little bits and pieces. So the one where you've had it for a couple of months, are you paying rent on that already? Or have you got an agreement that, that only starts once you've, you've finished your works? No, now typically we would reach an agreement where there, there is that little bit of runway. And I try and work with the homeowners so that it works for, for both sides. Now, of course, from their perspective, they're going to want the revenue as quickly as possible. From my perspective, I'd want to delay that as long as possible. So typically we'll come to an agreement depending on what the current status of the property is. And that is, you know, usually means that I will get a bit of time to do the works on it, which 
personally, I, th- I think is fair. If if there's a certain amount of work that needs to be done on the property, you know, my view with the homeowner is, look, you know, you'd have to do this anyway, so I shouldn't, you know, have to pay for that as well. But on this one, we did have it for a period of time before. It's just one of these where the project has just got elongated because it's a very big property. And again, being completely honest, I just misjudged it in terms of how long it would take us to do what we needed to do. I thought it would take us, let's say, three months, and it's now taken you know, four and a half or five. And that's that's the issue, you know. But as always, you learn and you develop experience. You know, experience comes from sometimes bad decisions, and that's what I made here. But I've got a big learning. But the you know the the homeowner is happy, and that's the first thing. I'm still you know my business cash flow isn't, but that's a big learning for me. Yeah, I mean, sometimes these things happen. You, you can't always tell quite how the projects will go or how or when builders will be available or, or whatever else. Yeah. So are these all rent to HMO deals? And I'm assuming they are. What what market are you going after? Is it students or young professionals? Or Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the difference between what's tip, typically marketed as, as rent to rent is I'm not taking on residential properties and converting to HMO. I'm typically working with existing HMO landlords. And I guess I'm positioned my service as a bit different. It's not different, just to be clear. It's it is rent to rent, but I'm working with other landlords because I understood and felt their problem and their pain. So I talk more about the guaranteed rental and say, look, once we take this on, you've got the guaranteed rental. But we're taking these on as HMO properties existing. They were typically student HMOs. So the work I'm doing to them is just to brush them up a little bit and make them slightly different to be more suitable for the young professional, stroke professional let. So you're taking on existing HMOs, uh, giving them a facelift and sort of taking them up market a little bit, perhaps, to, to give your the boost for you to be able to rent that out again. Yeah. And, you know, when we say upmarket, I mean, I'm not doing anything great to them. There's not, there's not you know, some not of my properties. Swimming pools or anything like that. Not installing swimming pools, certainly not. And, you know, a lot of properties. I still have, you know, put a couple of showers in, in a couple of the properties. So, you know, we could do that where we think it's going to make a huge difference. But typically we are just repainting the properties, sometimes recarpeting them. Just, just those things do make a difference. And in the in the most recent one, yeah, I've put in what I consider to be really nice furniture that's just a bit different. It's very urban. It's, you know, that kind of got that wooden look and feel. Just to just to give it a bit of standout from other vanilla rooms that I might be looking at. So apart from the one where you misestimated how long the, the works were going to take, have there been any other lessons from, from this batch of rent-to-rent deals that you've, you've taken on? Well, there, there are lots of lessons, I think. You know, the first lesson is that the compliance never ends. Compliance and maintenance just never ends. The more rooms you get, again, you know, you're going to laugh at me, but I can't. I don't remember how many rooms there are. But there's, in total, for for property, you know, company owned and company leased properties, what is what how I differentiate them. We've got over 50 rooms, and the compliance just doesn't seem to end. It'll be a you know an electrical installation report, and that's something which I hadn't factored into to cash flows. Now, again, what I work with. I won't go into the contract details, but you know, I'll work with the landlords about or the homeowner about what they're liable for and what my company will take on. But either way, they still have to be arranged. And 
if the services you're taking that pain away, we still have to make that pain go away through the arranging of, and it just feels like those expiries are coming up. The second one, the second key learning is working with, I think, landlords that you know understand the service you're offering because some people will you know expect you to pay for everything and do everything and you know i've yet to see a service in the world that can do that particularly related to property so it's about having those conversations early so that everyone kind of knows where they stand they're the big ones really i mean other than that it's pretty standard property investment stuff really it's you know it's probably just overestimating the amount of time you'll need rather than underestimating and overestimating the amount of investment it's going to take rather than underestimating. Yeah. So overall, are you, you pleased with how the, those deals were progressing? Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. The, the reason I started looking into this model, as you and I have spoken about before, was primarily down to cash flow in that I quite like our business model for law pound property in that, you know, we've the most recent property that we did, we took a five bed turned it into a five bed, five on suite property, spent the best part of, from memory now, about 60K on that property, did increase its value probably by about the same amount. It sounds stupid to say, but you know, obviously over time, hopefully that will work itself through. But that's the sort of property I, I liked working on, sort of doing some really high-end designer stuff. However, the challenge is, of course, getting chunks of 60K and having six months of a year where you're happy for a property to lay dormant whilst builders smash things through and do all of that kind of stuff meant that growing the company was a lot slower than I wanted. And that's, you know, a a big lesson actually just in property for me is that if I could speak to anyone to say, just say, it's going to take longer than you think. I know there are models out there and, and rent to rent probably is one of those models where people say, yeah, start today and you'll be millionaires tomorrow. Again, that's, uh, it's not my experience. And, and even developing that business has taken, I would say, six to 12 months to get to a state where I'm happy to have the conversations and start the relationships with the homeowners that I'm happy with. And it's about having build teams and, and all of that kind of thing. So I think rent to rent is great for that. And, and that's why I did it, looking at gross revenue. So I wanted my business to you know, be able to support me, as we all do. And rent to rent just is a quicker way to do that. But again, I've still had to build the relationships with people that can do maintenance on a very short notice. Also with, you know, builders and letting agents. I still work with letting agents because you've got to keep your ears to the ground. And, you know, remembering once again that I'm not local to this market personally, but I still spend time down there. So it's probably a long winded answer to that question. But am I am I happy with rent to rent? I'm very happy with how it's gone. I definitely would like to grow it. But I would say it's hard work. That's the the one thing because I know when people want to market it to you, that seems to be a little caveat or a you know a term and condition that's not often talked about. But it's it's as hard work as property investing, which is hard work. Yep, quite. There's uh, no free lunch. No, that does does all take work. It's just what kind of work you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, then. So moving on from rent to rent, you were re- talking recently a few weeks back maybe about a property that you have for sale that has been through the sales process or part of the sales process a couple of times before and was just hopefully going to the sales process again how's that one getting on now so far so good i think is the short summary of that one so i've got two flats that we're selling we've got a studio flat in kingston and a one-bed flat down in the southwest 
the studio flat we've had two buyers pull out of that one the day before exchange one the week before exchange and that's because of a ground rent issue so just for people's benefit on that one what we've done is we've said okay we'll agree to the sale provided exchange happens i think we've agreed now obviously there's only so much detail i probably should share but we've, we've kind of agreed to to do it provided it exchanges by the end of january because i kind of thought that's probably a good enough time for us to take it off the market and then if we need to restart things actually that'll be fine but we have got a bit of a caveat in there in terms of with the buyer that in terms of the ground rent issue i'm not going to go into the details of what needs to happen but it's it's a bit of legal stuff that needs to be done and we're saying we want agreement on that within 14 days because that's what my solicitor advised on the right amount of time would be 14 days and if they haven't agreed to that within 14 days then then we're not going to go through the sale and that that felt a lot more appropriate to us yeah try and get this the tricky sticking point dealt with early <laughs> yeah than it, it causing hassle right at the end makes for- yeah it's just common sense really isn't it but we know that common sense isn't too common when it comes to conveyancing and house selling and purchasing so it's quite relieved to get something in writing with the solicitor and then you know like me being me i was sort of saying to my wife look we could actually ask for exchange by the first week of jan but given all things considered christmas and so on we thought okay let's be fair about it we'll put it down for the end of january and you touch wood obviously things will go through but if for whatever reason it doesn't go through we haven't then lost too much time because like we say christmas is upon us and you know, january is probably a bit of a write-off anyway yeah so when we were last talking about this flat the this potential buyer as they were then well, as they still are actually was saying they wanted to move in in a week what what's happened with that that element of it <laughs> Yeah, well, that's right. Obviously, we responded to that in terms of sort of saying, well, we don't believe that the estate agent had passed back all of the information. <gasps> Shock, horror. The information we were giving the estate agent wasn't necessarily being passed on to the buyers, even though we explicitly said, can you please ensure that the buyer knows that we are currently renting this house? To be fair, when when people viewed the property, it doesn't look like it's got people in it because it's on Airbnb, as we've spoken about in the past. My wife. You know, goes around and clean, every time someone stays, she goes around, cleans it, makes it look lovely because it used to be her property. So it looks brand new every single time. So I guess people are walking around and thinking, oh, it's just empty. We can just move in. So we went back and said, look, that's not the case. And my, I, I guess, sort of hard-nosed view, given recent experience, was that, look, we'd allow that, but I'd only allow it on exchange. I wouldn't allow that pre-exchange. And it seemed to go away, not to come back again. <laughs> At least not yet. <laughs> at least not yet so you mentioned another property that you're you're selling there and that's in a slightly different situation isn't it so how's that one bed flat going yes yeah, so we had the one bed flat and this one was a flat that was being bought this year and we agreed the sale january february of this year the intention was always that we'd complete around july unfortunately we had a tenant that disagreed with this approach and decided to, it, it, I think we served notice in the January, but it was quite clear that the tenant was just going to, you know, extend the stay as much as they could. And to be honest, at the start of July, and what was frustrating was that by the start of July, the buyer, to be honest, I understand the buyer's position totally because they'd waited six months. But in July, they said, unless we know within one day that the, the tenant's moving out, we're going to pull out. The frustrating thing was we, we were kind of like a week or two weeks away from that scenario. 
but that buyer pulled out. So the frustrating thing was that they'd waited six months and then pulled out right at the end. But you know, again, I do understand. And if you know, in the same situation, I might have done the same. So you know, it's one of those things. So that sale fell through. I then got the tenant out. So then I now have an empty flat. Which fortunately, the we spoke about this on the last podcast was that the letting agent, very kind gentleman, said, "Well, I, I do know someone who might be interested in a flat if you'd let me." you know, show them around. And of course I said, yes. And, and they wanted to buy and that led us to, you know, just going directly. So the letting agent just introduced us and that, and that was it. So that is touch wood going through and again, we'll target completion of January. I guess in terms of completeness's sake, we were also selling a seven bed, which, and this is a, you know, one that is good news because we agreed the memorandum of sale in February the buyers, solicitors, and they were told to use a specific bank solicitors who, who proved to, to, you know, they they make ashtrays on motorbikes look really useful. They took seven months to do the searches. And then I think a week before we were trying to exchange said, actually, we now need to make sure we've got an asbestos test. And then the day, it's either the day before or the I think it was the day of exchange, they were asking questions about the tenants. and. Because I'd said, look, as long as we complete on by the end of November, even though I'm probably owed money because of the way the rent falls, I'm happy for you just to take it because I just want a clean break. I don't want to have to deal with any more paperwork. Am I? So I said, are you sure? I said, look, it's fine. It's seven days. It actually probably would have meant to me between five and seven hundred pounds. But I was just at this stage keen to. But I couldn't believe that the buyer solicitor raised some points around the tenants the day before on the day of exchange i was just like what have you been doing for at this point eight months you know we gave all this information so long ago but all's well that ends well we did complete on that property on december the first so managed to get some much needed capital back into the business which should be going back to one of my friendly investors oh congratulations on completing a sale thank you (laughs) it is it is whatever that solicitor was doing my goodness <laughs> i don't don't know how or how on earth are they still in business if, if they're that on top of the, the deals they're working on i mean it was both the estate agent and myself you know I, i'd call them every week and i said look if it were me i'd be phoning the solicitor and 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 really raising the roof about why things were taking as long but i think to be fair to the buyer the issue that they had was that and this is obviously more and more prevalent, particularly on HMOs. And I think it's happening more and more just in buy to let, but particularly on HMOs now, what, what might be considered a commercial purchase that the banks are saying you have to use our panel of lenders or in certain cases, you know, it's this solicitor. And that was the issue. And I think the buyer didn't want to, you know, say anything too inflammatory to the solicitor because I guess in their mind, that I'd get might get back to the bank and you know affect the purchase, which which again I do understand because you know, I haven't been in a situation where I've had a few purchases fall through this year. Sometimes you, you just get a bit nervous and want to let things lie, but this for me is kind of like a dereliction of duty because the solicitors were so appalling. If if I knew who they were or I, or I could dig out the information, I, I'd probably say it. But as we say, you know, we, we move on and. At least it completed in the end, despite the solicitor's best effort for it not to happen. Well, I am very pleased for you that it, it did manage to get there in the end. And I think, I think that's that's us at the end of your 
quite quite long list of <laughs> of property updates. Uh, have I missed anything? Have, have I lost a house down back of a sofa or anything? <laughs> You're not going to let that drop. This is going to run now for a while, isn't it? But it, it is true. We were saying that you know when someone says to me, "Oh, how many properties have you got?" Now, firstly. I don't think that's the right question. It's, it's usually like how the property is running. But when someone says, how many you've got, I genuinely can't answer that question because I don't count them. It's not like, you know, someone sits there with a bunch of £10 notes, counts them at the end of every day. And I think, oh, how many properties have I got? My challenge is knowing what's going on, you know, in terms of what cash flow is being driven and, and stuff like this. But I think that covers all of the properties I'm, I'm aware of at this stage. <laughs> Good, good. And I don't think you need to worry about this this running on for too long because my memory is just as bad as yours. So I'll have, I'll have forgotten it by next week, so it's fine. <laughs> right, ho then. So I think that brings us to the end of, of the podcast this week. And it just leaves me to say thank you very much to, to all of the people who are listening. And if you'd like to perhaps give Stuart and I a, an early Christmas present and some friends of yours an early Christmas present, if you've been enjoying this episode, please forward it to two or three people you know in property who you think might like to listen to us chat about our property businesses and learn from from our experiences. You can find all of our episodes and show notes at thebusinessofproperty.com. And Stuart and I will talk to you again next week. <laughs>